traveling through another dimension. Another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. But of mind. A journey into a wondrous land. land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. Last time on the Twilight Zone podcast, we talked about the episode, A Traveller. Maybe one that took a little bit more unpacking than the previous episodes. There were certainly some things to chew over and see what we thought about those. But now it's time to see what you think. So let's get going with your thoughts on A Traveller. Hello, Tom. This is Harold Clark reporting in from Buda, Texas, talking about A Traveler. Of the four episodes, this was the first episode where after me and my wife finished watching it, we had no idea what they were trying to say about the episode. Uh, we were confused and uh, you know unsure what the point of the story was. As Christians, though, uh, our ears certainly perked up when uh, Yuka's brother starts off with his monologue in the back of the car and says, They want me to live my life off of three wise guys who followed a star to find some magic kid. And that's supposed to be more spiritual than our ancestors dancing on the northern lights while they watched down on us. Qual not Christmas makes me feel like such a loser. And then in response to a Christmas carol on the radio, he says, Ah, F Santa Claus. Then you follow it up with the opening dialogue. Uh, meet Yuka, a woman with a knack for detecting the most subtle of mistruths. On this night, a night of the most powerful of myths, that skill will be tested like never before. She's about to learn the truth can take many different forms depending on how you look at it. And then the closing narration, the most dangerous of lies comes in the form of beautifully wrapped gifts. On this evening, Sergeant Yuka discovered there's no difference between myth and mistruth. She wrapped her faithful, she unwrapped her faithful present far too late on this dark and silent night in the twilight zone. So, you know, talking about silent night and again, uh, you know, the star and all the stuff we were thinking, is this, is this a, a rebuke about, you know, the, the most powerful myth of all that being the birth of Christ that it's an it's a an attack on that, but then when you watch the episode, everything related to quote unquote Christmas in the in the police station is all the secular part of it. It's all about Santa Claus and Christmas carols. All the songs that they sang are not the traditional hymns, uh, you know, associated with the the Christmas or the 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 Christian side of it. There's no little town of Bethlehem or Oh, holy night, nothing like that. Um, so then it's like, well, are they talking the most powerful myth is the myth of Santa Claus? I mean, are they are they talking about, you know, how gullible people can be and how harmful it is to talk about, you know, the, the myth of Santa Claus and kids finding out that it's not true and, and you know, and then, then you get to the comment about, you know, Captain Pendleton saying, Talking about, you know, we came here and it was, you know, it was our uh, our job to get here, be, you know, 
i.e., you know, manifest destiny that we were to arrive in Alaska because before us there was just bears and Eskimos. Ah, well, that that's real nice, huh? Well, no. But uh, so I'm like, man, what what exactly are they trying to talk about? So I I finally broke down <clears throat> and and went to the web and tried to figure out what they were trying to say. And uh, Glenn Morgan did an interview uh, with Sci-Fi Wire, and he says, <clears throat> says I don't want to ruin your interpretation, but the theme that runs through it is the theme for the entire season. What's real? What's actually happening? What's the truth and what's a lie? Most of us who write the Twilight Zone lean left. And I think we notice when those who don't are lying. But this episode is all about what happens when someone on our side, it shouldn't be said that way, but what happens when we lie. We shouldn't believe a lie even if it benefits your side. In this case, Yuka is used because her willingness to believe the lie. <clears throat> so then I thought that was very interesting because... It it's almost seems as if, you know, Glenn Morgan is saying, well, the left, they know what the truth is. You know, not the other side. You know, we know what the truth is. And when somebody on our side, you know, says a lie, well, then we, we know we, we can call them out. But if you go back to the opening dialogue, the opening dialogue says, <clears throat> on this night, a night of the most powerful amiss, that skill will be tested like never before. She's about to learn that truth can take many different forms depending on how you look at it. From the left side, from the right side, who knows? Who knows? So a very uh, interesting episode, to say the least. Um, I think it. I think they could have gone down a little bit more of a Monsters on Maple Street vibe and really, really talk about the idea of you know, don't just believe the first thing that comes out of somebody's mouth. I mean, I think that's maybe what they were kind of going for. <clears throat> but again, you you put these 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 images and words, and you know, and again, it you're just not sure wh- what they're uh, what they're trying to attack. Is it just shotgun blast? Is it Christianity? Is it Santa Claus? Is it just manifest destiny? Is it all of it? Who knows? So very confusing, but. You know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with the next episode. We're we're still we're diehard Twilight Zone fans, so you know we're not as Christians. We're not offended by this episode. Our faith is stronger than that. But we're we're plugging on, and we're going to see uh, how the Wonder King is uh, going to come up uh, next time. Okay, talk to you then. Bye. I've had an email from Heather and she says, Hi Tom, I wanted to thank you for your work and coverage of the Twilight Zone. I'm so happy to have found a community that loves the classic show and to witness the new era of the reboot, even if its only purpose to some viewers is to bring attention to the original series. Concerning The Traveller, I was sceptical at first. While the episode seemed like it was off to a slow start, But Stephen Yun's character was so successfully sinister, I was on the edge of my seat throughout the episode's entirety. I thought for a while that he could have been the devil in disguise, but when he turned the employees against each other, I thought of the monsters on Maple Street, and how sad it is that humans are so quick 
to turn on each other. I love that I could see multiple episodes of the classic series. Besides the monsters of Jew on Maple Street, I could see a little bit of a piano in the house with the unnerving plot of exposing the community's secrets and vulnerabilities. While the ending became more predictable, I was impressed by the actors' performances and glad to see more of Rod Sailing's morals implanted in the episode. I'm also happy to report that my boyfriend's daughter recently watched The Monsters on Maple Street as part of her school's curriculum. Thank you for your coverage and respect for The Twilight Zone. And that is from Heather. Thank you for writing in, Heather. Hey Tom, John from New York City here. Since this is my first time calling in, I just wanted to thank you for all the hard work over the years. It's been a real joy listening to you. Now, on to a traveler. I have to echo much of what you discussed with your guest Paul about this episode, and in fact, I reserved judgment until I listened to your podcast because my head was also spinning. My first reaction was, in fact, why did they decide to tell this story? However, with some time and reflection in your podcast, I have come to appreciate what was being done here. Again, to echo what has been said, I think the length of the episodes allows the storytelling to meander, which ultimately waters down their effectiveness. All four episodes have been very well acted with good dialogue, but could all do with a bit more editing to tighten up the plot and give a much better effect to the theme of each episode. Okay, so for this one, I had two comments, both of which just elaborate on points you made. The first is that Shakespeare and Macbeth did a good job of summing up exactly what the alien is doing with Officer Yuka. In Act 1, Scene 3, after the weird sisters have spoken with Macbeth and Banquo about their possible futures, Banquo makes the very pointed observation, But tis strange, and oftentimes, to win us to our harm. The instruments of darkness tell us truths, win us with honest trifles, to betray us in deepest consequence. The failure of Macbeth, as with Officer Yuka, is that rather than realizing the manipulative power of their own desires, spoken through a third party, and then not falling into the trap, they rush headlong into believing the lie that feeds their secret ambitions, which ends for both in tragedy. For Macbeth, it's the kingship of Scotland. For Officer Yuka, it's to become sheriff. This leads into my second point, which is that I think what we are seeing throughout this episode is the blueprint of how the aliens intend to subjugate the planet. Through the use of well-informed lies, strategically dropped in conversation, and then eventually, I assume, in media, the aliens will manipulate rumors, biases, hidden beliefs, either rational or irrational, and unspoken desires and ambitions in order to pit neighbors against one another, unravel communities, and thereby make them right to be divided and conquered. This then becomes the greater metaphor of the episode, how fragile the civility of civilization is, and how close humanity often is to turning on each other against its own best interest. We don't need to look far into the past or too closely at the present to see how lies are used to manipulate people against each other so that the truly dangerous are able to slide in and take control. And oftentimes, they are welcomed with open arms because no one can trust or respect their own people anymore. In fact, in this episode, we have the line from Jack where he muses that maybe the new boss will be better than the old boss, a fact that is seldom ever true, and rather, is more often as the who observed, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Thanks again to you and Paul for helping me get to this and other realizations about this episode, and therefore make me like it much more than I did at first. I do have to agree with Paul, though, that it probably shouldn't take so much work to get to the meaning of an episode, but maybe that's where we are in storytelling these days. 
now that it's an easy option to rewatch these things over and over again. Okay, so that is enough from me. It was nice to see the new Twilight Zone return to metaphor, rather than give us another ripped-from-the-headlines type of story. Unless, of course, the alien invasion has already started. Well, just in case, how about we all avoid blind belief and seek verification before throwing around accusations or even worse? It may just save humanity from enslavement in the end. Just a thought. Thanks again, Tom, and look forward to your take on future episodes. Cheers. I've had an email from Jay, and he says, Well, it was bound to happen. They all can't be great. The cast was great. Greg Kinnear is always great. He played a bit against type. The story was interesting, and Stephen Yun was creepy. My complaint is it was not executed well. That falls on Glenn Morgan. Was the sheriff a racist? It was never truly known. He had an ego, that's for sure. What was the deal with Russia? That was not explained well at all. Were the aliens just invading this small town, or was this the beginning of something more? I really don't know. The brother of the deputy says, well, maybe you guys will do better. He hates his traditions being swept aside by the Americans, but gives in to aliens. Bottom line, not the best so far, and a waste of Greg Kinnear. This would have worked on the X-Files, maybe just not the best for Zone. I'll forgive this stumble because every other episode has been crazy good. Cheers, and that's from Jay. Thank you, Jay. Hi, Tom. This is Chip from Washington, D.C. Uh, Long-time writer in emails. This is my first time trying an MP3 format, so I hope it turns out well. I'm recording this before listening to your recap, so I apologize if I repeat you or anything you guys talk about. And also, I have only seen this episode once, and that was a couple days ago on Thursday when it aired, so please forgive me if I misremember some of the quotes. For the episode A Traveler, I really, really liked the X-Files kind of vibe to this one. You have a dark, secluded, remote place, aliens, mystery, possible covert government missions. Other than Mr. A Traveler knowing secrets, we really have no idea what he's about once he starts shooting off one explanation after another as to who he is and why he's there. Um, in addition to X-Files, I kind of got a Stephen King vibe, like Storm of the Century meets Needful Things, once he started saying things uh, that the townspeople knew about each other, or that he knew and they discovered. Um, in that respect, I expected the townspeople to basically start kind of murdering each other or ripping the town apart. Uh, we see a little bit of that when Officer Monoyuga is going through the town, but not as much as I was expecting. Um, I haven't seen all of Twilight Zone. I'm in season four currently of the original series and none of the 80s series. So probably because I saw a lot of Stephen King growing up and stuff like that, I just expected a, a bit of a different outcome. Along that line, uh, because I expected it to go a little differently, I thought the beginning just took a little bit too long to get going. I think I would have preferred to see more of the townsfolk uh, secrets being laid out and how, the, how it impacted the town as a whole. But again, I guess that's not quite Twilight Zone. They, they build up the tension and make it more uh, cerebral or kind of imagined about what's going on. Additionally, everyone, uh, yourself included, and other people that have chimed in, keeps talking about uh, like little Easter eggs to the original series and little nods here and there. Um, like I said, I haven't finished the series, but I've tried to notice a lot of things, and I've actually started pausing the show to look for things and getting really excited. 
Um, I love the uh, the jail code was 1015 to get to the cell block. Uh, the Willy the Dummy was on the wrapping paper, and uh, the Gremlin from Nightmare at 20,000 and 30,000 feet was on the Christmas tree. Um, there was a scene where it was going up a bunch of VHS tapes with a bunch of titles. I probably missed something in there uh, that you all probably caught. Um, the series as a whole, this new tw- 2019 series, I've been really kind of uh, astonished or really like the cinematography that they try to go for. Uh, I wrote that into in an email to you about The Comedian and Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. I really like the tight close-ups of the faces and how it shows the anxiousness nervousness and unsettled how unsettled the characters are it i think it gives twilight zone like the perfect effect uh for what it's trying to do the last thing i have to talk about is just one small miss for the show for me was the ending i love the scene in the jail block when mr traveler's head kind of starts to go up after he releases jack and jack walks away and you just see it uh, blurry in the background that to me would have been the perfect ending Instead, like Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, it has this tag ending, like a coda, to the episode that just overdoes it a little bit. I would have even been okay with Jack taking a bite of pie, and we see the hand, the alien hand, taking the bite. But for some reason, like, mixed with the lines, maybe it'd be better with you in charge, and seeing the whole alien eat, that just kind of took me out of it. I thought that was just a bit much. Um, uh... I just enjoy the subtlety of the implication of what's going on with the alien rather than just them giving it to us, I guess. That's all I have for now. I appreciate all your time and effort in doing this podcast. It's really informative and increases my enjoyment to hear a podcast while watching a show for the first time. Uh, It's something I've newly discovered in the past few years, and I look forward to doing hopefully more MP3s. And after listening to this, I hope I don't say uh nearly as much. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you next week for Wonder Kid. I've had an email from John, and he says, Hey, Tom, I just finished listening to your newest podcast, discussing a traveller, and I had a couple of thoughts. At one point, a character uses the police code 1096. That's 10, then 9, plus 6, equals 15. 1015. I don't know if I missed the whole point of it, but do we know what 1015 is referencing yet? Any theories? I'll just cut in, John, to say, I don't think we do yet. And as far as theories go, I don't really have one other than there seems to be some connection. But uh, if anyone has one, then, then please let us know. Also, I thought there were a lot of similarities between a traveler and the monsters are due on Maple Street. There has been a discussion on your podcast about there being a possible link between the world on the new TZ being connected to the world of the original. I had an interesting thought about that. We see at the end of Maple Street that aliens are conducting experiments on Earthlings. What if these are the same aliens in a traveller and they are finally ready to invade? They've run all of their experiments for the last several decades and now this little town in Alaska is set to be ground zero for their invasion. Any thoughts on that? Well, seeing as you've asked directly, John, you know, it's it's a good theory, and I guess it is one of the good things about this new show that you can, if, if that's what you want it to be, then you can have that being the case. Why not? It's a, it's a really good one. It was really difficult to kind of join the old show as a whole because, you know, sometimes the Earth would be 
on the brink of destruction and then the next episode everything was fine again so we couldn't really hypothesize much about that i know over the years we've probably talked about it quite a lot in terms of what ones we can link together but i don't think it was really the aim of that show to do that but it is the aim of this show to do that even if it's you know linking back to the old one especially things like the busy bee diner which i never really noticed first time round in replay and they're the best kind of links for me you know it's nice to have a character named matheson and so on those things are, are all good fun but it's the ones where you can say well actually this one really does connect back to something or really could connect back to something like the busy bee diner and so on so that's great um, and John goes on, anyways, I love the show and good luck in the rondos, I just voted for you. Cheers, John. Thank you, John. Appreciate the vote and the email. Well, Tom, or is it Tim? Strange, strange things have been happening in the Twilight Zone podcast, and I don't know what the truth is anymore. And not knowing what the truth is anymore is one of the big themes of A Traveler, which I just finished watching um, and have a few thoughts on. Uh, first of all, this is a gorgeous episode. The cinematography, the writing, the execution, just like all the other episodes of this new series so far, I really feel like this is The Twilight Zone without any question. Um, and I feel like that because The Twilight Zone did a great job of always putting the viewer in the shoes of the other. And it also really spoke to the human condition and to timeless elements. And the new series is also uh, blending in contemporary issues, but while maintaining those timeless themes and those timeless issues as well, so that in 50, 60 years from now, this new series will be just as relevant as the original series is to us today. Uh, so I think that's part of the real magic of uh, what Jordan Peel and, and the other uh, producers are doing with this show. You know, some of the themes in this were, uh, well, one of the things that I noticed was that darkness was used both as a cinema cinemagraphic device and as a metaphor. So darkness and power were some of the big themes here. And, you know, the traveler would manipulate light and dark by controlling the power grid. And the power grid was kind of like the holy grail that the invaders needed to get to and uh, tricked the humans into um, taking them there. So you also had this issue of con artists and, you know, that timeless issue of people believing what a con artist is selling them because they want to believe it, even though their own gut instinct might be telling them that it's a lie. Um, so I thought that was really clever, and it also played right into uh, a couple of the uh, old episodes that I think it very smartly referenced was A Howling Man and also The Monsters Are Due on Maple Street. And some of the issues that the show also dealt with, clearly, you know, they were referencing Russia, the Russian spy stuff. Um, and, you know, the Russian interference in the UK with Brexit and with the 2016 U.S. election and bringing Trump to power, helping to bring Trump to power, basically for their own purposes, really was, a, was done in the same way that the monsters are due on Maple Street. 
uh, was done, which was kind of referenced in this episode. And that's basically you don't have to come in with bombs and tanks. You can just exercise power by turning the lights out, sowing the seeds of suspicion and, and discord and fear, and then step back and watch everybody kill themselves, which you saw being done um by the traveler when he sort of exposed some of the secrets and, and set everybody against each other. So I think that was uh, clearly uh, a clever way to tie all of that together. There were also some great references to, you know, the, uh, the, the Inuit people to, you know, the sort of hegemony of Christianity and the American exceptionalism idea and the idea of manifest destiny, which was basically uh, people rationalizing their own, uh, genocide and sort of saying, well, no, this is just manifest destiny. This is God's will. We had to come tame the savages. And, you know, um, that was referenced in, in the sheriff, uh, early on. So I think that this show dealt with some really great stuff. Um, I think the alien invasion stuff at the end was kind of fun. Some people might find it a little bit cheesy, but you know, I think that it's, it's clearly referencing some old twilight zone, some classic science fiction stuff. And I don't count that as a negative at all. I thought that, um, you know, it was done in a really uh, a smart way. It was kind of felt like an X-Files kind of episode um, in the way that they did the actual alien invasion thing. And, you know, it, it sort of puts us in the position of being uh, under the invasion as opposed to being the invaders, you know. So some of the issues with the Inuit um, and the sort of manifest destiny stuff kind of gets recycled and turned on its ear in the end is that now we're the ones being invaded. So, again, putting the viewer in the shoes of the other classic Twilight Zone stuff, um, just think it was just beautifully executed, and uh, I think it's... We're really lucky to be here now, and it's a great time to be a Twilight Zone fan and have this uh, incredible new series for everybody to chew on. And I can't wait to see what uh, others think of it and what you and your co-host make of the episode. Uh, this is just my initial kind of gut reaction, and uh, can't wait to see what's next. Cheers. Hey Tom, it is Uncommon NASA giving some feedback on episode 4 of the new series. Uh, I think this episode was called A Traveler. And, uh, eh, I don't know, you know, like I, last week I had kidded with you, I'm not sure if I'm going to send in feedback for everything. I guess this episode is proof that I probably will, uh, time allowing, so I guess the harshest way to say it is if this had been the, the, the premiere, if this was the first episode... It would have put a lot of people on alert and and it would have made people kind of skittish on the whole thing I, there are some value in it but um it just wasn't I, I think the writing is sort of the core to the issue some of it for me is a little bit of like a be careful what you wish for because what i was saying um during the week when i was talking about the episode to my wife is um how all three of the episodes use some sort of mechanism either from Rod Serling himself or original Twilight Zone. There wasn't like a, a, a wholly new idea. It was recycling um, in the best of ways. But like um, Make Me Laugh from Night Gallery is a Serling episode that was written. And, and the comedian very much takes that same mechanism of like a comedian that, that can't make people laugh. That gets the opportunity to do so and then bad things happen. Um, the second episode, obviously, we all know, um, Nightmare at 30,000 Feet, it, it took the mechanism of a, of a paranoid person on a plane and, 
you know, took it to a different level and into different topics. And um, last week's episode replay, the more I thought about it during the week, it, it really is not just a homage to Nick of Time in the beginning with the Mystic Seer appearance. It, it really is that in a lot of ways. Because you could just picture them if they wanted to do a straight remake. Um, they could have easily been asking uh, the Mystic Seer, like, you know, should we buy him a slice of pie this time? Should we just go to a hotel this time? Should we should we confront him this time? Should we be nice to him this time? Um, so it had that sort of in it. This is the first episode that I can't really find the exact mechanism, if there is any, that they're using. This does seem to be a new story. Obviously, there's a little bit of um, Will a Martian, Real Martian stand up, and there's a little bit of Maple Street and all that, but it's not like a direct mechanism the way the first three were. And I don't know, it, it it definitely felt like some of the politics were a little more shoehorned in. Why was it happening at Christmas? What's the point? Like, it, you know, we're starting a series in April and we're doing a Christmas episode. I, I didn't really understand the point of that. Um, because it didn't have a whole lot to do with the ending or the story. Um, the whole idea of a sheriff pardoning a prisoner... You know, is that real? Like, does that really happen? Do people do that? And if they do, are they, like, having people bring their brother in for, like, a, a faulty arrest just to pardon him? Like, why would the brother not be more pissed off that his sister was sort of using him as a pawn to impress his boss? Why would he be willing to just be in there like that? Um, you know, there were a lot of, like, non-human reactions to things. There's the moment where, like, she... Um, you know where like the alien character like opens his his cell and and she runs after Greg Kinnear's character, um, the 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 police chief, and she just leaves his, her brother in there, not knowing anything about Steve Yoon's alien or what he's capable of, or and she just leaves him there, you know, and then magically he gets out, and I, it was just all over the place. I feel like I am all over the place even just talking about it because it was just not great. It it. It sort of reminded me of some of the issues that happened with the 80s one, I hate to say, where it, it definitely felt like it was sort of sci-fi with like a pinch of politics just for the sake of it, and it, it didn't come from as informed a place as the first three episodes. Um, it's impossible to keep batting a thousand. The acting in it was, was fine, it was very good, but I just didn't get it. The whole Russian angle... Um, you know, the, the police chief is working with the Russians, but then that didn't really come to any fruition. Like, if Steve Yoon's alien character already knew everything about the town, he would have already known where this generator was. You know, he didn't need the captain to run out. He didn't need to trick the captain into going there to showing him where it was. And, and why would the aliens want to invade this small town in the middle of nowhere? Like, in Alaska, they... They could have given the context of like, well, the aliens feel like this is between the, this is a, a center point where they can attack the two most powerful countries of the world. Or they could have talked about like a nuclear reactor being at that military pay, base or something, but they just didn't do it. They just, it was just kind of like not there. I'm just supposed to believe that the aliens want to launch their invasion of Earth from, you know, the middle of of Alaska and you know of course there were lots of like kind of nods and, and comparisons to colonialism and you know the evasion of their territory by by white people and I, I am totally accepting of those sorts of things being in the Twilight Zone or those sorts of things being in science fiction but you got to really make the case 
and you got to really use it. You know, um, if you're going to go there, go there 100%. Don't just give me some throwaway lines while I'm trying to understand why this woman is arresting her own brother for nothing. I'm already totally distracted by that. Now you're throwing other stuff on top of it. It moved really slow. It just, like, from a writing perspective and a screenplay perspective, it was just kind of a mess. And it was kind of sad because the actual directing and um, the way that it looked, some of those shots down the hallway, um, you know, the visuals, the costumes... Um, and the acting were all really good. It, it, it was, it, in a way, it's kind of refreshing. <laughs> I'm trying to be ultra positive here. In a way, it's kind of refreshing because it does remind me of one of those original Twilight Zones that just didn't work, but all the ingredients were there, but it just didn't work. You know, it was shot well and it was acted well. And, you know, Rod Serling was there in the beginning and the end. and But the episode itself just was missing something. And that's exactly what this was. It just was... It needed a good editor, you know? I feel like there were things that may have been edited out that needed to be in, and I felt like there were things that were left in that had no purpose whatsoever. So that is our mailbag for this week. A little bit lighter, maybe it's because that episode was a bit of a head-scratcher, you know? It's, it's one that I came to appreciate more the more I watched it, and I'm actually quite happy with it now, whereas when I first watched it, it just wasn't really fitting in for me but it's been great to hear what your thoughts are as well so the next episode drops on thursday the 25th and that's the wonderkin so if you want to get your thoughts onto the show then please email me at tz2019 at gmail.com that's tz2019 at gmail.com and if you could have them in by sunday the 28th of april that would be great and then i can get that all together the next day So that episode is going to be called The Wonderkind. Thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.